Welcome back. We are live. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you haven't yet, check out the YouTube channel and be sure to subscribe while you're there. Travis, you look like you're rocking and ready to go. You got some funny videos up there. Oh, man, look at some great interviews, great interviews, great times. And I think we're going to get To Be Honest up sometime this week, but it is a beautiful YouTube channel. It's rocking channel. and rolling. Check it out. Past interviews, recent interviews. It's a lot of fun. I'm, we're very, look, the content, obviously, uh, that we attempt to create um, perhaps won't win many awards anytime soon. However, I do believe we conduct some of the best interviews in the business. I, so please check out those interviews. I think I saw recently the Pulitzer Association has now uh, has added, a, added a prize. Don't tell me they're adding a prize for podcasting. Yeah. Please not. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I don't. I don't think podcasting is pullets. You know, there. Look, there it, is some very be, good. It might be a storytelling aspect. Not this. No, probably aspects. not. But I think some of the. I will say some of the work that the true crime prop podcasts do. Uh, obviously, NPR. I think they do some very good work. And what we're seeing now, the ironic thing is, now we're seeing uh, podcasts turn into TV shows. I know Amazon and Apple are now investing in serialized podcasts mm -hmm. and turning turning them into actual shows. So there is definitely great content. Um, Pulitzer, though, eh, I hope they're very specific about how those are handed out. Yeah, I'm oh. not quite sure. I just saw a headline okay. and a few details. So. It's been a big, big week for the entertainment Hollywood types. Oh, There are many places we can go, actually, because we have several topics on the matter. But I wanted to discuss, if it's okay with you guys, something Gardner and I have been talking about mm -hmm. ad nauseum off the air is this new Richard Jewell movie uh, by your homeboy, uh, Clint Eastwood. Um, and... Uh, it looks like a very compelling film, of course. Uh, it's starring uh, one of our uh, friends. Of the, can we say friends of friends of the show? John Hamm? Yeah. He's, okay. He's, he hasn't yeah. been on our show, but I'm sure he knows people in St. Louis that oh, may does. listen to our show. Nevertheless, he's in this film with Clint Eastwood, uh, Clint Eastwood directing. And um, I believe the actor was recently seen in Black Klansman. I have not, uh, I, I didn't recall his role. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention to him. Oh, but who plays Richard Jewell? Who plays Richard Jewell. Um, and then that's uh, Sudeikis' lady a, that's in the... Um, Olivia Wilde? I'm sorry, oh I know my that's very God. sexist of me. Especially where you're about to yeah, go with I'm this. Like, very, <laughs> oh very my God. There. Oh Come on, Travis. I know, I didn't mean to go like that route. That was just, they just I just remember seeing them at Big Slick together and I just forgot. <sighs> my apologies. Paul Walter Hauser. Olivia Wilde, the lovely and very talented and not necessarily has to be associated with our partner, Olivia Wilde. Yeah. I apologize my to God. my woke listeners. My bad. And she is playing a reporter, Olivia Wilde is, uh, playing a reporter that works at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, in this movie. Of course, it talks about how Richard Jewell discovered the, uh, the bag, the bomb that ultimately went off in the uh, Centennial Park uh, during the Olympics back in 96 in Atlanta. He was a security guard brought in, I think, by AT&T to help with, uh, I think, one of the venues that AT&T has set up inside of Centennial Park. He discovers his bag. He becomes a national hero. And then the media and the FBI do a little digging, a lot of pressures on them to find out who is responsible for this. And they end up uh, basically targeting this man, this lone security guard who just had a desire to be an authority figure. Uh, they basically lined up against him, the media, uh, the FBI, and crucified the man uh, for at least an entire, what, month? Vilified. Vilified. Crucified. No other way to cut it. Bombified. More, more than that. that. That guy, longer like he... Longer than a month. It, yeah, longer than a month. So well after the Olympics, uh, this guy had throngs of media just outside of his home where he was staying with his, his mother, and he had to endure some humiliating questions every day he left the house and even some articles uh we're not even talking columns that were written by major newspapers uh all but asserting that he is the guy responsible for this bombing i believe two people lost their lives uh, i think over 20 people were injured and this like it, people were out for blood 
um, this disrupted the calm of the Olympics. And so people were adamant about finding their guy. And they thought Richard Jewell was that man. The media kept putting that message out there. The FBI kept putting that message out there until they realized, oh, evidence does not point to this individual. Uh, his life, of course, is ruined at this point. But the character specifically played by Olivia Wilde is one of the reporters who has now passed away. Uh, I believe the reporter who Olivia Wilde plays passed away of an overdose uh, some few years ago. However, there's a scene allegedly in the movie where Olivia Wilde's character is trying to get information out of the FBI. FBI character played by John Hamm. And there is the suggestion that for information, there was a exchange of sex. It was a suggestion that there was a transaction sexually in order for her to get the information she got from the FBI guy. Mm -hmm. uh, that, of course, is pissing off a lot of the colleagues of this former reporter and, of course, the AJC. Uh, and who, female journalists in general. Female journalists in general. They're just like, hey, you have no evidence to assert that that actually took place, and that's fairly over the line to make the suggestion without said evidence. Um, and so there's been this weird back and forth. So AJC basically sent a cease and desist to Warner Brothers, who's, of course, producing and distributing the film, saying, look, you need to put a disclaimer, beginning of your film, saying that you guys took certain liberties with this story. Warner Brothers yesterday hit back, screw you, AGC. You're the reason why this story exists to begin with, because you went about and crucifying this man. We won't change a damn thing. So whether there's going to actually be a serious legal battle, the movie will be released. I don't think anything that the AG, AJC can do now is to stop the release of the film. It'll be unprecedented. But um, they essentially want Warners to put a disclaimer, and Warners like, you can go suck it. Hmm. So we'll see how that all plays out. But one thing Gardner and I, I was worried I'll about. I'll just say this. Because I know some people aren't going to see the movie now, and I understand that. Right. Which was what you were hoping against because. I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. Because Richard Jewell's story deserves to be told, and all you really have to do with it is tell the fucking story. It's <laughs> really that. It's really that simple. Like the AJC was going to look bad. They were going to look bad, and they know that. They know what they did. Oh, absolutely. And all you have to do is tell that story, instead of injecting this creativity into it, right? To add to the story right. that female journalists in general that I've seen are upset with because it follows certain tropes that have been played out in movies before. And this is supposed to be detailing a true story, right? right? And this obviously there's no credibility. It seems to that right now, there's no evidence that it occurred. And if you're going to go, so, that, why, yeah. so why do that? So right. my thing was is simply this. I've been waiting for this story to be told in a way like this for a long time. Right. Why did you have to try and create something when you don't need to? And that was and your. That's frustrating for me because that's all I wanted was just the story to be told. And that was kind of your worry. And this isn't this isn't by no means am I attacking Clint Eastwood's politics. He's within his rights to inject whatever he feels. Uh, I just think with this particular story. Uh, at this particular time in history, it is very reckless. It is dangerous. And I think Clint Eastwood could have made his even political point, which I would imagine his, if there was one to be made, he'd say that the media and FBI can often go too far in their vilification of private citizens. That's an argument I, I even would imagine most African Americans would absolutely be on board with it. The thing that you worried about and I worried about is that would Clint Eastwood Eastwood this bad boy and, and essentially go too far in ejecting something that isn't there. Like it's like to your point, the case should be made on its own merits. Mm -hmm. Adding that extra element of whether or not there was sex to be exchanged for information. If you're going to tell that be you got to be right. You have to be right. If you're not sure, don't include it. Just tell the story of Richard Jewell. Just tell the story of Richard Jewell. Exactly. There it is. is, and this is this, that's the title this, of the film. Richard Jewell. This controversy yeah. takes away from that story. And that's unfortunate because it's a story people that aren't aware of should know. And people should look at and, and 
and know what it's it a necessary is. story. People I mean, actually there should know. be a statue of this man in Atlanta. It's an embarrassing. And that, that's, he's like at, at Olympic Park. And, and I, I made you watch this the other day. Yeah. Couple, about a week and a half, two weeks a ago. A 20 minute documentary. I think it's like 30 for 30. Uh, it's one a of short. short. Yeah. And you were blown away by what was detailed in it. I did and not. That, and oh, 20, God. 22 minutes. I, in, in 1996, I knew we were very fast and loose with the media. But there are major publications. Uh, not even. They were loose. They weren't even using the alleged, Chris. Mm-hmm. They were just simply like, oh, this guy has. He was a hero wannabe. Like, the guy who you're had, the one. You're like, you're a major newspaper. Like, you, you don't. What? Where do you. And they were coming up the information that they were reporting. They were reporting as if it was fact. Like, it wasn't sourced or cited. That an official inside the FBI said it. They were like, oh, yeah, he's a wannabe cop. That's, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. Slow down, everyone. And that the lawyer who ended up representing mm-hmm. um, Richard Jewell, like in this doc, in this short, mm-hmm. said the first thing we have to do here, and he got choked up for a moment and said, you have to accept my apology because I believed you yeah, were he guilty. Did it too. That's how bad it was. It was bad. Just tell that. All you had to do was tell that story. And like even at, at the Olympic Park, there's, you know, a memorial there. But I, I think the, the doc even said that there's no mention of Richard Jewell's name or anything like that. I mean, people wanted to push this away because of how shameful. It was embarrassing. Like, it was incredibly embarrassing. And, and how we bit on certain things and details of the story. And not only that. But how he was treated after the fact. Yes. I think that's a very key component yes, for me. Yes, I agree. Is that there's so much shame involved that people didn't want to go back and address that pain within themselves for what did they the did Did the city ever else. apologize? Did, did, I think there's some... Some, some levels apologies. of apologies that did and, get... But, ultimately, not mind you, that but, doesn't mean it so- solves it. That doesn't... It's like, here, the trivia thing I did over the week mm-hmm. that I hosted. Uh, we did a category called the 90s. And one of the questions was basically... Um, cause I, and we've talked about this before, you know, Richard Jewell was originally suspected, but who actually committed the Olympic park bombing? That's a great question. question. Do you know who, and do you know the guy's name who, who was responsible for the Olympic park bombing? And I'm not trying to be funny when I'm asking you this. No, I, and I will, I would, and I'm even trying to put our, uh, our, uh, our listeners in a spot. I would imagine if they didn't have to go to Google. If you were to ask them who was responsible for the Olympic park bombing, you could not name them. And I love putting the question in that category. That's a good point. Because no one. And I, I've mentioned it on the show before. No one remembers the name of that guy a lot of times. They don't. It's Eric Rudolph. Eric Rudolph. He was bombing abortion clinics. He was hiding in the woods in North Carolina. It was a guy who was a, he's a terrorist. But everyone remembers the name Richard Jewell. And, but everyone remembers the name Richard Jewell, but the city of Atlanta or even down there at Olympic Park, they've never, there should be a statue yeah. of that man in that park. Man, that's how important the story is. Hundreds of lives he did. And then you can't dispute that as a fact. He he saved. That could have been one of the most catastrophic event. That would have been bigger than Munich. It would have been bigger than Munich. The lives that would have been lost if it wasn't for Richard Jewell. No matter however you feel about it, the fact of the matter is, if he did not alert those people, that it would have been the more catastrophic than Munich or any terrorist attack. And it. At the Olympics that are on American soil. Yeah, and this is not, this instance here is not people seeking out outrage. Right. There's, I mean, you're you're trying to tell a true story and you get very, very loose with particular details to create this. Especially the necessary and one like all that. All you had to do was <laughs> tell the fucking story. <laughs> and it's very frustrating. It is frustrating. And, and we kind of worry that Clint Eastwood is going to Eastwood this bad boy. And um, and mind you, we none of us have seen the actual scene. We're off. We're just going off those who have seen it. Friday or Saturday, I'm going to see the movie. And and I'm just, yeah, it's just like I said, frustrating. It is frustrating. Very, very frustrating. Now, (sighs) get that bad taste out of your mouth. Okay. And put a better one in, because boys and girls, Uh it looks like we have a sequel to Ghostbusters. Oh, and this sequel has Daddy, aka Travis Terrell, uh-huh. perched. Oh, the movie story. is called Ghostbusters Afterlife, Chris, and it's starring technical stepbrother of the show, Paul Rudd. No, technical stepbrother. Yeah, and this film can we can we show a couple clips? Can we show a little highlights? I have the trailer. Oh, Chris, want to take a look at Ghostbusters? Afterlife. What are you doing here in Somerville anyway? 
Honestly, my mom won't say it, but we're completely broke. And the only thing that's left in our name. Ben Wolfhard is the this is creepy kid's farmhouse our grandfather left us in the middle of nowhere. Why'd you bring me up here? Entertainment value. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Somehow, a town that isn't anywhere near a tectonic plate, that has no place. fault lines, no fracking, no loud music even, Paul is shaking on a daily basis. Under the dining table now! Hey, remember that one summer we died under a table? I found this in my living room. Oh, killer replica. A replica of what? A ghost trap? Jason Reitman, of course. There hasn't been a ghost father in 30 years. Original writer and director of Ghostbusters. New York in the 80s. It's like The Walking Dead. Your dad never mentioned this to you? It's just my mom. My grandfather died. My mom says we're just here to pick through the rubble of his life. If I may say, <clears throat> that looks like a spicy meatballa. That looks like a good, uh, good follow-up. Yeah, I, it's it's weird. I hope it's good, and it's I don't know these things where you try and connect to the old feelings and stuff. Of it, just because the studios know that we're familiar with them, they can go really well. They can be mm-hmm. eh, they can be eh, too obvious of nods to the originals. I mean. They're doing it the right way. I mean, they're just kind of blatantly copying the feel of Stranger Things, which copied the feel of 80s nostalgia movies that we liked. And I, I can't uh, I can't blame them. That's a big swing. And you pull Paul Rudd in on it. I mean, like, that's kind of... It's kind of a no-brainer, right? As yeah. far as uh, yeah. likability and uh, the ability to do drama mixed with comedy and action and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, they're hitting it. That Finn Wolfhard, too, like... Man, that he gets it. <laughs> he gets this. He's Stranger Things. Uh, it just shows, you know, we like certain things, and the people casting it know that. So I don't know. It should be interesting. I don't know if it's going to be very good, but we'll see. Huh? It's got it's, it's got it in place, right? Mm-hmm. Get set up to succeed. We got Jason Reitman, who's directing. It's produced by Ivan Reitman. Um, I love that it's a little bit more somber. Um, I love that they are now taking it out of the city. I love that it's in a small mm. countryside town. I like that aspect of it. I love the cast. Carrie Coon's phenomenal. Paul Rudd's amazing. Uh, Finn Wolfhard has been, I mean, if you need, he is basically like the Tom Hanks of child actors right now. Like the guy's in every major project that comes out of Hollywood these days. So casting-wise, it all makes sense. Everybody looks like they belong. Um, and I think the trailer did enough where it showed enough, but not too much. You show, you know, you got a shot of mm-hmm. the Slimer, shot of the old equipment in the car, uh, but it didn't reveal too much. So as far as a teaser goes, it, dirt, it certainly got me excited. Um, yeah. But I think to Chris's point, if you're going to do a reboot or if you're going to do a sequel to a, an old IP, um, you got to... You gotta refresh it. You gotta make it unique. You gotta add new perspective, uh, and connect the old with the new. And I think it, it, they may have done that with this. Um, 
but it, it certainly looked this wasn't a movie that was on my radar for next summer but now it is i'm excited to see how this turns out uh and again that's mainly because you're bringing back you know the people who are responsible for the guts of the film the original are involved with this as well so you would like to think that they're going to be able to truly understand the characters and look if there was ever a time for a few cameos to pop up here that'd be a a nice sight but i like that they're not leaning too heavy on the past it looks like they are wanting to chart a new world for the ghostbuster universe so i'm kind of excited for it there is a a tweet i'm trying to find it because i want to make sure i wanted to make sure i credit it um um i can't find it right away but someone said Here's to me pretending for the next six months that Dan Aykroyd's not going to show up and make a cameo with his own bottle of vodka. Yeah. <laughs> boy, yeah. he will. Aykroyd will <laughs> most definitely probably show up in this bad boy. Was it Skull? Crystal Skull Vodka yeah. or whatever? Skull There's Vodka? There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. But I'm excited about this project. I, I, um, I, look, I don't, I look, this is interesting. This is a little bit more tone-wise. Tone this is different than what we're used to seeing out of Ghostbusters. That's why I think I'm a little... Because I think that if you're going to do, again, these reboots, these remakes, these follow-up sequels, I think you, changing the tone is good. I think that's why Logan worked. I think Logan was a different tone from an really X-Men good. film. You know what I'm saying? I think these films can work if you take a different approach uh, and not just do the paint-by-numbers or almost do a scene-by-scene -scene reboot. Mm -hmm. um, so I like that they're taking this angle. I like that they're involving the grandkids. I like that they're in this town. We've never been before. Again, we're used to having the setting deep in the heart of Manhattan and things blowing up and tall buildings and large monsters over the top. In this instance, like they're toning it down to turn it up. So I'm excited for it. Turned up? Turned up. Turned up. Or as, okay. as Gardner likes to say, you ain't saying nothing but a word. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. You ain't got to say nothing but a word. Now, Chris, I'd also uh, like to point out that Yesterday, the Golden Globe nominees were announced, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Big day. Unfortunately. Golden Globe. Do we ever care about the Golden Globes? I mean, is this, is it just, it's always just a precursor to the, to the big one, right? Yeah, generally speaking. I think as far as, uh, Has anybody made more money off getting a Golden Globe? Um, no, to your, you're kind of <laughs> right. And how I, I say that, and I'm sure there are several actors and actresses and directors and writers who have made, a fair share. Um, Does it get you more work? Like, uh, I, I don't think it. Like, shoot, I think we've even seen in the past where even just having an Academy Award doesn't necessarily guarantee you more work. Um, not necessarily. It's a big party for Hollywood. It's Hollywood Foreign Press. It's supposed to be a little bit more uh, fast and loose with who they nominate. This year, it seems like they kind of stuck to old hat Hollywood. A lot of male directors nominated in a year where there are a lot of prominent female directors. That was the only my big takeaway of the the entire nominee because there were some really good female projects this year, and it really is kind of annoying that I like. Look, you know how I feel about Tarantino. I think mm -hmm. he's one of the best to ever do it. Um, I'm sorry, Tarantino should not have been nominated for best director for this film. I'm sorry. And this is not to knock, look, people love the movie, so be it. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, uh, he was nominated along with... my Golden Globe. Uh, the list includes Martin Scorsese, Quinn Tarantino, uh, Bong Joon-ho, A Parasite, Sam Mendes of 1917, and Todd Phillips, of course, of The Joker. Um, fine films. Uh, Irishman was fine. Once Upon a Time was fine. I heard Parasite's outstanding. And, of course, we know about how successful Joker was. Uh, Sam Mendes is one of my favorite directors during 1917. I'm excited to see that. This isn't a takeaway from their work. Critics, critics, 85% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 70% yeah. audience score. Uh, this year you had... I think that's more fair. The audience kind of got it right on that one. On the, uh, Don't let Dr. Ed know. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. What, yeah. was, the do what was the score for that? S well, for audience, I mean? 70 so 15% yeah. lower than the critics. Yeah. So the critics kind of got a little into it, probably because of the Hollywood part. But it's, You had uh, Lulu Wine for The Farewell, which was nominated for, I believe, Best Picture, but did not, uh, her herself, the director of the film, was not nominated for a Golden Globe. Um, Honey Boy, uh, which got a lot of love, uh, was directed by a woman director, also not nominated as well. And, of course, one of the biggest hits of the year... Uh, Lorene Scarfier, Scarfaria, 
she directed Hustlers, mm-hmm. uh, which was one of the biggest box office breakouts of the year. She wasn't nominated. What's Hustlers? Hustlers is the, sh- the movie where J-Lo and Constance Wu, they play strippers who basically rip off uh, their clientele that come in, these big-time oh. bankers. It's kind of like a, a heist film. Okay. Uh, I have not seen it, though, but I hear Jennifer Lopez is phenomenal in it and that the film was very good. It did very well. At the box office. Needless to say, there are a lot of very good women pro- uh, projects that came out. That I keep saying women projects, excuse me. Projects directed by women uh, that were very successful, not only with the critics, but also the box office. And they didn't receive a ton of love. So I was very disappointed in seeing that Hollywood kind of missed, missed the shot there. I, again, not to knock Scorsese, not to knock Tarantino. These were fine films. I don't know that you can say that they were head and shoulders above the rest of these other projects that came out this year. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you can say that about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was a fine work. I And I look, Tarantino, the foreign That's press the only one loves, I've seen, so foreign I press loved Tarantino. So he, I love Tarantino. But and, and that people love Maybe, like, I don't know, my, uh, my dad was talking about it. He was like, he I guess he watched something that kind of gave some more information on the ranch and everything as a whole. So, like, maybe if I was more, like, maybe if I knew more about the story, the Manson family, and like the actual, like the true comings and goings of everything that was going on there. Uh, maybe that's, uh, maybe that would make it more like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing here. Maybe I don't know. I like uh, just because how they switched up the. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because I, mean, I know how things were, what they did in the movie. But yeah. I'm just thinking. I'm just like, I don't know, man. I. Like uh, on paper, that should have been one of my all timers, and I was just on paper. You're right; uh, it should have been. Well, and it's I, just it started slow and took a little while. So. But then even they I, have a they have a good car scene. I like I like the car scene when they got Neil Diamond playing on the radio. Well, of course, <laughs> I like Elvis. I like the intricacies, like them like drinking margaritas and like making the margaritas and using the technology from you know whatever that was mm-hmm. in the 70s. Like that was fun. But again, to even the fashion was good. Like it looked really good. It looked amazing. And even the way Leo looked kind of haggard. I mean, that was cool. Like mm-hmm. that was great. Brad Pitt's character, he nailed it. But it just, I don't know, it didn't do it for me. I, I, I think the, 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 and again, I have not seen Joker and, and I haven't seen 1917 or Parasite. Uh, and again, I've heard crazy. And I think Parasite. Uh, is probably the one that I'm more looking forward to, mainly because it's a foreign it's a foreign language film and it's apparently doing incredibly well here in the states, uh, which r- rarely ever happens. Uh, but I, I think what if you saw The Irishman, if you saw uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they're fine films. They're fine, but these are films we kind of have seen before from these directors. The Irishman is a fine film. I saw Goodfellas. It's it's the same I'm, it's I'm the same the speed. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a fine film. And glorious bastards like these are films we like the, as far as tone and as far as like the way it's told and the revisionist history like i've seen this movie before uh and and they're fine but i don't think they're exceptional and i and i i, I hate it feels like you know how um hall of fame voters get when it comes to certain athletes mm-hmm. like it's like ah, oh, it's a given like ah, oh, can we actually look at the work can we actually let's like sit down and look at the work it's and i think if you man. sat down and looked at once upon a time in hollywood I find it hard to say that it's it's better than some of these other projects that didn't get any love. At least these directors, certainly. This would have been the year for Earthquake or Barricade to mm. win it. It's a wide open field. It is. I thought yeah. Travis would have went with uh, no female directors included in the uh, in the sweep for the Golden Globes. Yeah, there isn't. Mm-hmm. That's I don't understand that. Uh, Greta Gerwig, she came out with Little Women. That's getting a ton of love. She did Lady Bird. She didn't get nominated for that. I just think it's odd. It's Lady Bird. I don't know. I just, that was a really good movie. <laughs> these, I'm saying this. Like, these are movies that a lot of critics are loving. And for them to be shut out, it's just, I don't know. It's weird. This Whatever. also would have been the year for a streetcar named Undesired. <laughs> God, please God. Got a new graphic for it now. So. Like Queen and Slim, I've heard amazing things about this film. From all people. Yeah, Sturgill Simpson's in it. Oh, he is. I'm just going to keep harping on that, how great Sturgill Simpson's performance was in an all-black cast. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, did it stand out? I haven't seen it yet, but it, uh, obviously, obviously, it if he's going to be in the, if he's the whole thing that kicks it all off, yeah. then obviously he's quite important. 
Best Supporting Actor. Oh, that'd be something. <laughs> oh, that'd be something. Wait, Sturgill Simpson's in it for 48 <laughs> seconds in a movie? Yeah. And he gets no, nominated for it. I don't know. I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm like not gonna he, run. I, I like you this. I could watch the Oscars. I, I think Chris. Ooh, that could put him on, uh, on the EGOT. Ooh, uh, like he that would knock out two for him, right? Yeah, yeah. and get an Emmy for his job work for Netflix for the sure. anime he did. Sure, and then get the Grammy, and then he goes on to do like uh, the historical trappings of Waylon Jennings on Broadway. A, he should do a Mark Twain musical. There you he go. He should play Mark Twain. Do a musical. Do it on Broadway. Yeah. EGOT. Sturgill you Simpson. EGOT and Sturgill. There you go. <laughs> I, I, with an album. I will. I will. I, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Chris, you said this. I think maybe our first or second time out to LA together, and it, it, it's it's a statement that has stuck with me for a while because there is some truth to it. Like for a place that considers itself so incredibly progressive, <laughs> and considers itself so very well, I liberal. Think this is this is all like the like it's amazing how Hollywood still does the very conservative button up male thing to do like you know what i'm saying like it's still they're still comfortable yes exactly and it's it's no, funny to watch where that, the two sides come together yeah liberals and conservatives can now attack the foreign <laughs> foreign press, press. That's, that's exactly right. it get them out that's why we need that wall Have you see what the foreign press is that's right but it, they call it the foreign press because they're pressing forward yeah into our country. Now, if things could change, the Academy Awards, this all can flip on its head, and we can see maybe a list of women directors. Uh, usually the Golden Globes, those are precursors to what we're going to see during the Oscars. So things could easily flip. However, to Chris's point, man, Hollywood, y'all got to kind of pump the brakes and pat yourselves on the back about being progressive and liberal. Because y'all to... still doing the same old shit <laughs> that you accuse everyone kind of else always, of. It's kind of always look at people extra hard because I'm just like, are you? Do you believe what you're saying? It's it's embarrassing. Like these are some really good projects, and I think if if you were just even in your old, you know, toxic masculinity ways, and you saw these films, you'd have said me? these are great films. And someone would say, oh, you know, a woman directed. You'd be like, what? Mm. You would have you you know what I'm saying? So I just it's weird to see all these people go out to the theaters and rave about these projects, but these few journalists somehow miss it. It's just odd. It's just, you lay, I just, I don't know. If you told me Django and Glorious Bastards for a Tarantino film of recent, I'd have been like, oh yeah, no doubt. That, that man, he freaking slam dunk. Mm -hmm. But I just thought with these two, with the Irishman, fine films from great filmmakers, I think the reason why they're getting a ton of love is because of the brand. It's hard for me to... Because I interpreted uh, Tarantino's movie a little different. and It's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I think some people, like you said, got off on the fact that it was about Hollywood. But really, if you watch the movie, it's an homage to Smokey. That's what it is. <laughs> a lot of Smokey in the movie. Great point. It's a lot of Smokey. It's like Smoking Tarantino wants to make cars. a point. Yeah. So it's hard for me to take it down. Like, so it's a look, the look of the film is, oh, it's a beautiful film to look at. I have Both Irishmen, too. They're beautiful films. It's yeah. just story-wise. They're cinema. Cinema. Yeah, so they were cinema. I haven't seen everything, but A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, uh, unless Mary Woman director, yeah. Is a, yeah, I was going to say, just because if we're looking at contenders, I don't know if Bong Joon-ho is a man or a woman. It's a Parasite. man. That's man, a man. man. Um, All the director nominated, nominated for the films were men. Yeah, Greta so Greta Gerwig or Mariel Heller. Honey Boy's been receiving a lot of love. Mm -hmm. Of course, that was uh, Shia LaBeouf. He, uh, it's kind of like a semi-autobiographical uh, of his life. Uh, people, again, raving about it. It's doing well in the independent circuit. Again, woman director, no love. It's just it's weird that they go to these film festivals and they are huge with audiences and the media. <laughs> then award season rolls around. It's just... I don't know. And and this is look, if when I would love to build a brand like Scorsese and Tarantino to where I could put something out and call it cinema. Call it cinema and people just love it and go crazy for it. I, I thought they were fine films. I didn't think they were better. I can't than, wait for the year hmm. when um Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage in a movie about that Nicolas is, Cage wins it all. See, that's why you should really want to live to hundred and three just so you can be able to see live that see that moment. Well, It'll happen sooner than that. <laughs> it's going to win Best Picture that year, whatever the name of that movie is going to be. That's the one I'm looking forward to down the road. Chris, I've known you for some years, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's one thing I know about you, 
is that you can swallow a whole banana. What? Yep. Excuse me? Mm -hmm. And this story, your, your history of swallowing multiple bananas at once is why I'm inspired to read this story. Mm -hmm. Because, Chris, someone ate a $120,000 banana that an artist had taped to a wall. Good. Allow me to explain. Or as my friend Rob Pachetta of CNN mm. writes, when an artist duct tape a banana to a wall and priced it at $120,000 this week, we should probably have known where the story was heading. The work by Maurizio Cataline. Cataline? Cataline? Catalan. Catalan. There Catalan. we go. There we go. Maurizio Catalan was ripe for a picking. On a Saturday, uh -huh. it was unceremoniously <laughs> taken off the wall at the Art Basel. Miami Beach and eaten by a performance artist amid a crowd of stunned onlookers, some of whom posted videos of the incident. I really love this installation. It's very delicious. <laughs> David Dantana wrote on IG alongside a video showing the aftermath of his stunt. As people gathered and filmed the incident, a woman can be seen remon remonstrating? What does that mean? I don't know. Remonstrating with Dantana before asking for his name. What does that mean, Chris? I'm not big. I'm not knowing these words. These are big, <coughs> fancy words. Go ahead again. How do you spell it? Uh, R -E -M Make a forcefully R reproachful protest. Okay. Wow, that's, that's one way to say it. You the entitled comedian, that's what he's called himself, the artwork comprised a banana bought in a Miami grocery store and a single piece of duct tape. The gallery behind the sale, Gallery Perrotin, and these are just some really fancy yes, ass people. You can tell I'm poor. I'm glad you're reading. Me so. too. Said there were three editions and that two had already sold for around $120,000. Huh? There are multiple editions. Editions. Oh. And two had already sold for $120,000. Somebody bought that. I'm still just waiting. Like, this. Is this the new season of Black Mirror where they pull in real, like they're including the real world into their shows? Maybe. What I'm you eat for $120,000? I mean, if it's been a minute and I'm hangry, I mean, we're talking a good slice of uh, sausage and pepperoni pizza. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's how it works. I mean, in terms of if you're taking... If Papa John handmade it for me. I think this is a brilliant... Made with hate. So this was kind of um, a middle finger to the elite, right? I don't know. I don't know art. Me neither. I feel like I if the point I, was like going to be made, is that... I mean, the same guy who made point. this uh, banana duct tape to a wall, which, Travis, you should like. I would prefer a peach duct tape to a wall. And Chris, I believe, blackberries. Duct tape to a wall is what you would choose because mm -hmm. those are our favorite. I find it difficult to believe Black that someone spent one hundred twenty thousand. I really, I know that we've heard people making some ridiculous art purchases. I really, very much do not believe there's, someone spent one hundred twenty thousand dollars. There is quite the uh, spectrum here because the guy who made that also made this eighteen karat gold toilet mm -hmm. that was in the Guggenheim at one point. Okay, so there's some variety to his work. Uh, there's another part of the story, too, is that after the guy ate the banana, then another guy showed up and wrote, Epstein didn't kill himself on the wall. So another mm -hmm. performance artist guy shows up. So all hell is just breaking loose. E before I. Uh, mm, yeah. I before E. I don't yeah, he I'm spelled about. that wrong. I'm about to say oh. okay. <laughs> Which adds to the performance even more now, doesn't it? I think this is all a stunt, obviously. All of it? All of it's a stunt. You all don't believe anything stunt. anymore, do you? I don't. I don't. Is there That's truth in anything to you? I don't believe that someone... I don't believe... I think this was all part of the plan of him coming up, eating the banana, the gallery saying that they sold to 120000 Get the fuck out of here. No one knows whether you did that or not, so you don't have any evidence. You're what if they did? One out of your ass. I really find it very difficult. I'm asking you what if they did, not what you think. If they did, oh, then good lawyer. if they did, and then I hope President Elizabeth Warren absolutely put these people in jail. <laughs> <laughs> I this I guess this is uh, but this is so Miami. This yeah. is very Miami. I, I have some friends that they have a place down there, and they they've been to this art. Is it a festival or fair? I think it's like a little fair. Yeah, put on. it's a very like I know the or a lot of very wealthy people who attend this thing. Yeah, that they've been to. So this it's thing not. They I, it's not. 
far-fetched to say that somebody actually spent, you know, money on these things. Yeah. But this is, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like it, it was definitely a stunt. Like the banana on the wall with duct tape. Like, come on. Like, that's kind of very telegraphed. Like, you're purposely trying to mock something. You're trying to make a point, and I'm all game for it. But let's not pretend that what this guy did was, like, so shocking because he absolutely set this whole thing up. Epstein did kill himself. However. What? You said did? He didn't kill himself. Okay. Because he's still alive. You still believe that? There's no doubt in my mind that Jeffrey Epstein There's no doubt, huh? There's not an ounce Uh, of doubt. An ounce of doubt. Jeffrey Epstein is absolutely alive. There's no doubt in my mind. Jeffrey Epstein was literally this is connected just your to. Gut? He's connected because you have two, no evidence, right? The guy is connected to two American presidents and the royal family. Are you shitting me? So why wouldn't you just kill him? Why kill myself when I have enough dirt on the most probable people on earth? Himself? I'm saying that I think he created the narrative that he was killed, but he is indeed alive. Have we? We haven't and talked, Boca Raton. We haven't talked about it on here. Okay. Have you seen the cellmate that they had him with? Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Very obvious steroid-using ex-cop who went to prison for, uh, for, poor, uh, for basically, I think he killed someone and like, he was running drugs or something and mm-hmm. killed somebody, got busted. I'm talking central casting prisoner. Yeah. I'm talking steroid... How is he still getting those steroids in the clink? Like, how how is this happening? There's no doubt. Like, I think the I think Boca would make sense for it. Which Epstein. would make that guy controllable, right? Oh, ex-cop. Ex-cop. Yeah. You're like, hey, buddy. Put we'll get you that books. ex. Hey, we know you're still. Those, those muscles aren't real. We're not going to stop your yeah. shipments. Just look the other way. There's no doubt. In fact, I think that's going to be the big twist of 2020. That Donald Trump is going to remove Mike Pence as his running mate. And there's going to be a moment through the summer of 2020 where it just looks like there is nothing that is going to stop that Trump train. And he's like, you know what? I'm willing to roll the dice. I'm willing to roll the dice. <laughs> look, look at, at his this. cellmate. Jesus Christ. Look at his cellmate. <laughs> what's up with that, man? That's very that's, troubling. That's, he's what's guilty. Up with I, don't, that? I don't even know what his crime is. Well, they were thinking. down the left ear, but for sure. They were thinking, absolutely hey, guilty every step of the way. He if, did that shit. If the clean version of what we have planned for Epstein doesn't work, Juicy here can just snuff him out. I'm telling right? you, Epstein will be a surprise running mate for Donald Trump in 2020. Oh, God, that'd be By God, that's Epstein's <laughs> music. Just comes down the ramp. Because I think, I honestly think 2020, the man's going to be unstoppable. Mm-hmm. He's going to be able to do anything he wants and making Jeffrey Epstein his running mate. Is what this whole play was about. But I do believe Jeffrey Epstein is absolutely still alive. Okay. There's no doubt in my mind. No he's going to be like Marlon's man. No we're going to look up. It's going to be a sporting event. And we're gonna all going to be like, man, that dude looks just like Epstein. Think about it. The guy was able to fake his own death <laughs> by looking like he was murdered. So matter of fact for you. And then like, he, he was killed able himself, to. He killed himself by breaking his own neck. Then he, <laughs> look, and here's the beauty of it. Then he did uh, Nicolas Cage face off. Mm-hmm. He's on the island. We've got Royce in the comments. Saying Once he's again, on the island. I, I agree. Everything no you doubt. learned, you learned from movies. Yeah. <laughs> so that's next sad. Thing, next thing Travis is going to say, he's like, the Avengers are hiding him in Wakanda, and it's uh, it's part of an even bigger conspiracy. He was a fall guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so I'll ask, you the, off? I'll ask you the question. Uh-huh. Is it more likely he's that dead. Epstein was murdered or Epstein being alive? Murder. So we're completely removing okay. the kill himself thing. Didn't happen. No, and I think they even did public polling recently. And I think like seventy five percent of Americans like, yeah, he didn't kill himself. Yeah, I think and Americans aren't really big as a group to buy into conspiracy theory. But it is wholeheartedly across the board: blacks, white, women, men who believe strongly that he was murdered. Cameras went out. Can't, like, come on. Like, come on. Like, Americans are like, look, we're, we're willing to be gullible on a lot of this shit. Like Gardner and I were talking about yesterday. We kind of thrive living in the dark. We almost prefer that we live in that dark. We ain't stupid, though, generally speaking. And so, yeah, we, we, it's, that's, come on. Like, the most protected man in New York City 
is murdered? It, oh, commit suicide? Come on, guys. Come on. You don't need to have seen three seasons of 24 to know that's bullshit. And for me, no, look, I, look, I enjoy a good twist. And what better twist than to fake your murder but still be alive? That's the beauty of this he, twist. Do you think he's, he's, out? he's That man figured it out. Do you think he's actually... Fake your murder or your suicide? I, I, no, I, yeah, fake his murder-suicide. Fake... Make people think that it was a suicide knowing full well that the public was going to think it was a murder. And while they're discussing whether that's a suicide or a murder, your free ass is out here with a different face living in Europe. Face off. Face off. Okay. And Jeffrey Epstein is alive. There is no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my will, mind. Will you think start he, do you think yelling, he's out making, that on walls? Do you think he's out making, he's cleaning up his good name? Do you think he's out finding the evidence and he's breaking into... He's breaking into Buckingham Palace right now, and he's doing a citizen's arrest. Yeah. And then Batman style, he's going to extract the prince to bring him back to find out that he was the problem all along, and he was a double agent. And all those plane flights mm. with Clinton, I see what you twenty did plus there. flights with yeah. Clinton, were all Clinton was helping him yeah. bust these guys, and he was there to educate the girls. I think to protect if, them from the bad. I think men. when you are as powerful and Just as like rich as Epstein, everybody Chris Hansen found. Well, well yeah. essentially, I think he look. The guy was cookies? able to move with full. You know, he was able to move very publicly. Like it was all but well known that this guy was with young women and people. He still rolled in very was, powerful you don't have circles. To say allegedly, there was a thing. Right? Well, nevertheless, he rolled. He was known to have rolled in public with public figures with young girls. So for me, my thought process is that if he's that brazen and that powerful, you're telling me that some goob they picked off a street murdered him in his cell? Get the hell out of here. No way. That guy was powerful. He had the connects and the money to make this all happen. And if there's one individual in this world who could pull off a face-off. <laughs> it would be Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. You do not... Look, we talked about this before, didn't we, Gardner? We talked about how when uh, scientists and future security experts sat down with the rich and all their... What were their concerns? About defending their empires. So we got a sense as to where they are mentally when it comes to what they would do with their immense wealth and power. So you're telling me a guy like Jeffrey Epstein, who has dirt on the... We're not talking about the guy who runs Home Depot. We're not talking about some silly-ass governor at Jeff City or some whack-ass county executive in St. Louis County. We're talking about two presidents and, the, and a prince. And you telling me... Come on, man. Some dude from the Bronx snuck into his prison cell. No, they're saying he did it himself. Well, even then, come on. So you're telling me the only proper thing to believe is that he he did the movie Face Off. He did the Face Off. <laughs> Jeff, that should be. It isn't Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Jeffrey Epstein did the Face Off. With who? And where is Epstein's body? Did he do a Face Off and then kill the person who then had his face? Did they go through with the completion yes. of putting his face on someone yes. else's and then kill him? Here's so, the here's the twist. Here's the twist. Ellen. He switched faces with Ellen. Brilliant. Never seen it coming. Same body type? So same thing. body type. Don't you think Porsche would, don't you Porsche would figure that yeah, out pretty quick? So Jeffrey Epstein is hosting Ellen DeGeneres' show right Boom. now? He loves to dance. Boom. Huh. Who do kids love more? So where's... People love it. Kids love Ellen. Where's Ellen Smart. as Jeffrey Epstein then? I don't know. That's so the are you bigger suggesting? question. Or is that the body that was in the... That's what we're saying. That's what yeah. we're saying. So they went through with both operations still. Yeah. So Ellen is dead. Ellen is not with us. <laughs> Can't even fucking look at you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to do the reads. <laughs> I suggest Travis calls St. Louis Counseling Services for some help. Probably. Uh, he can go to stlouiscounseling.org for more information. If he's got a pet that needs help, he can go to Hillside Animal Hospital, hillsideanimalhospital.net. And again, I want to remind everybody, Gastro Pit has barbecue late night, every night. That's right. Check them out. 
Uh, check out their Facebook page for more information. And we're going to be there for comedy this Thursday. Another great lineup. 8.30, kicking things off. Come out for some free comedy Thursday. Stick around for the late night happy hour. Afterwards, very excited to hang out on the hill at Jay Smug's Gastro Pit. If you're familiar with Gaslight, same building. Uh, come out and uh, enjoy yourself this Thursday night. And then also don't forget about Happiest Hour this week. It's a Christmas sweater comedy show presented by Jack Daniels. And we've got Schlafly Specials. Buzz's Hawaiian Grill will be there. Food's available. We've got a great lineup. Wear a Christmas sweater. You could win a prize. Gateway Pet Guardians bringing uh, a pup as well this week. So another big show. Pups, man. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Gardner, anything for you? Shout uh, it out, Gardner! Real quick, Travis, can you grab a mic on Thursday night and just... Um you know, present your Jeffrey Epstein theory I to everyone. I absolutely do <laughs> Please. Okay. Okay. I think it makes sense. Yeah, um, I think it should go well. Also, I'd like to do a shout-out once again to Ted Simmons. <clears throat> Real quick. Yeah? wanted to play a couple of clips for you for with uh, Ted Simmons. One Ted Simmons, one Christopher Walken. Okay. This was Ted Simmons last night <laughs> at the winter baseball meetings. Well, the weight is, is what it is. It's, it's, it's not so bad over the 25-year period because it's not constant. But the last month, it starts building. And then the last week, it's all over you. And then the last day, you just you can't even walk straight. So it, it's, it's painful. But it's worth the wait if you finally get the, the yes vote. Okay, Ted Simmons. Love it. Christopher Walken. You'd be damned if any slope's going to put the greasy other hands on his boy's birthright. So he hit it. In one place he knew he could hide something, his ass. Five long years he wore this watch, up his ass. Then he died of dysentery. He gave me the watch. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass. Two years. Right. Tell me, tell me they don't sound alike. They sound very alike. Yep. Come you on. You did it. I, I need like... uh, Ted to read scripts of Christopher Walken. Well, I, I've heard that stories that Ted Simmons was just like, man, I checked out. Like I, like it got to the point where it was so hurtful not to get that call that I just gave up. Uh, so that's a cool moment for him. Because that means so much to these guys, as it should. They give a lot to this game. So that, uh, Ted Simmons, I don't know him personally, but good for him. Mm -hmm. uh, good for him. I hope, I hope Cardinal fans show him the necessary love. I know he was part of Cardinal teams that we would like to forget, but, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, and I, hope, mm -hmm. I think St. Louis fans should come out and show him some serious love. Who are you shouting out He used today? to smoke a lot, too. Did he now? Oh, okay. You're so strange. Uh, <laughs> big shout out to all of you not wearing scarves today. Not directed oh. at anyone. Just a big <laughs> shout out indeed. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Had a blast. We're back tomorrow live at 8 a.m. We'll see you then. Peace.